All right. Hey, good evening, everyone. Uh, Susan said, my name is Scott. I'm married to Kristen for about 18 years. We just celebrated 18 years on Sunday the 15th. And so that's my crew there. Kristen is the only uh, female in that picture. So my poor wife, uh, four boys, twins who are 15. And so the one in red uh, behind my wife, the one in the button down holding the other child, those are our 15 year old twins. They're sophomores at JJ Pierce High School. And then a 12 year old who's being held up by one of the twins. His name is Carson. He is a, uh, j- uh, not a junior. Uh, he is a seventh grader is what we call that at North Junior High. And then the little one on the outside, his name is Lincoln. He is 10 years old larger than most 18-year-olds, and uh, he's a a fifth grader at elementary school. We've been at Watermark about 17 years. I've been on staff 13 years, marriage ministry the whole time, and uh, mostly get to work with pre-married and newly married, but love getting to be here with you guys. I am so thankful for this ministry and all that God is doing here and for your willingness, as Susan said, to choose to be here to work on your marriage. By the way, if you are here for our pre-married class that meets, it's called Merge. This is the first night it meets. Every time we meet, there's usually somebody who steps in the wrong room. And so if you are here for the pre-married class, uh, this is not the right place. And if you go out in the walkway, they will guide you to the right room and tell you where to go. It's around the corner that way. So here's what I want you to know up front. This is called the, the bottom line up front. I just learned it's a new acronym that BLUF, if you get an email that says bluff, it means the main summary is up top and then details are below. I want you to know the bottom line up front before I really dive into the talk. Here's what I want you to know, that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, I hope tonight, my heart behind this message tonight is really to come alongside of you to encourage you to keep going. I know things are not always easy. This is an opportunity for us to kind of put our arm around you, walk beside you and encourage you to keep going, to, to stick with the commitment you made to not grow weary in doing good. And then if you're somebody who's not a follower of Jesus Christ, if you, wanna, uh, if you wanna know more about that, there's nothing more than our leaders and our team would like to do than to help uh, introduce you to Jesus. I want you to know that Reengage is a great ministry. It's a great curriculum. We have amazing leaders, but your leaders, this ministry and the curriculum are not going to fix you. The thing you need, the only thing in the entire world that is going to, to fix your marriage is Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that up front. That's the bottom line up front if you are somebody who doesn't know the Lord. We want you to be first reconciled to Jesus, to God through Christ, and then be reconciled to your spouse. That is the way to really grow and heal your marriage. And so shifting gears back to our anniversary, as I said, uh, the 15th was our uh, the 18th anniversary. And so we got married uh, four days after 9-11. And so 2001, that was a Tuesday. Four days later, we got married and it was, it was a great day, right? And it was a really, really tragic week. I, you know, I was thinking this morning as I'm running through my notes, that might've been one of the hardest weeks in my life, the, the hardest week in a lot of our lives, because of the fear, because of knowing people, because of the way that it affected all of life. And so we got to get married that week. And in many ways, it was a real highlight for so many after a really, really tough, uh, very hard week. 
And so we got married that Saturday. We celebrated a couple days ago. I took the day off work last Friday. We went to Bishop Arts and had great coffee together and we had a great lunch together. And it was so good to be away from kids, frankly, and work. I love my job, but sometimes it's good to not be here and not think about work, to put our phones down, chores down. We didn't have to carpool anyone for a couple hours. It was awesome. And we celebrated a great 18 years. But every time we celebrate our anniversary, I think it's a good reminder to go back to the wedding day. We don't always watch our wedding video. We didn't this year. We, were, um, we just didn't get a chance to yet. We might still. But going through and celebrating an anniversary is a great reminder of the commitment and the vows that we uh, made with one another. We got married in Atlanta, and it was uh, a Saturday afternoon, and I remember it so well at Peachtree Presbyterian Church. I'm up front, and some, for some reason, uh, you know, I had this goatee on my face that I don't have now, and uh, Kristen said, it's good to go, and so if you've got a goatee, great. No, I'm not judging you. It just didn't look good on me, and she allowed it, and so uh, still had no hair. That hasn't changed in a long time. Uh, it's a lot darker then than it is now. Now the remaining few I have are a lot grayer. And so I'm up front. My brother is to my left. My brother-in-law officiated our wedding. The bridesmaids to the right. And those doors open and in comes Kristen Elizabeth Lichterman. Her father walking her down the aisle. It's almost like this is the aisle here and she's walking towards me. And we had no idea what we we're getting into. Right, we never, we think we do, we think we prepare, but we have no idea what's coming. When we say I do, it was a great day and we love celebrating, but we kind of so often wonder what happened between the greatness of that day and then where so many of us are today. And, uh, this morning, we're at home and, and I botched it, I missed it at home. Okay, my, my wife got angry with me this morning for good reason. Okay, I was, uh, I was prideful. I was arrogant. And, and I'm the director of marriage ministry, right? Like I should get this thing right. I should know how to do this. And I messed up this morning in a way that frustrated, rightly frustrated my wife. And, and that's not just today. There's so many stories I can tell you. My favorite story when we got sideways with each other was a couple of years after our twins were born. I always tell the story to our pre-marrieds. I don't know if I've ever told it and re-engaged, but we had twin boys born in the summer of 2004. One of them named Duncan, uh, the other named Drew. Drew is a colicky child, screamed and cried all the time. And up until we had the twins, married life was pretty good, but this was the first real eye-opener to, to how hard marriage is and, and really because of how difficult kids are and how selfish we are. And so Drew is screaming and crying all the time. We really have no recollection of Duncan whatsoever. No idea how he made it. We think he was around, but we don't remember. We just remember Drew. And Drew was, uh, if you want to know what Drew looked like as a uh, three, four-month-old baby. If you will think of Gollum from Lord of the Rings, okay, just skinny and ribs sticking out and one long hair sticking out of the top of his head and just writhing all the time. That is what this child looked like. Now he's uh, this good-looking kid with a Glad to say he's got more than one hair and uh, he's a great kid now, but th those were really hard years. We were strapped financially. We were arguing all the time. Uh, we didn't sleep, obviously. And I remember we got into a big fight one day, no idea what it was about. But uh, Kristen puts Screaming Drew down, comes running across the room and jumps on my back. I don't know if she's trying to knock me over or what she's trying to do. I'm a large human being. And so she, she you know, it's, a, it's like a fly trying to knock over a gorilla. And she couldn't do it. But I remember in that moment, first of all, I remember laughing hysterically, like, what are you doing? And, uh, and then after that, being awakened to the reality of hard, how hard marriage is. 
Okay, and and, uh, that was a very, very significant lesson for me to learn when I learned about selfishness and how much my sin affects our marriage. And and I I know I'm not alone. Okay, I know every single one of us, whether your marriage is a nine out of 10 or a one out of 10 or maybe even a negative five out of 10, okay, we all know what it's like to, to wonder what happened to the greatness of the wedding day that has led us to where we are today. And so I want you to watch just a real quick video, three-minute video that is really a powerful video that helps remind us of the significance of the commitment that we have made in marriage. And so watch this. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Symbols, shadows, parables. Sometimes this is about that. Flowers are about love. Signatures are about promises. Fireworks are about celebrations. Poppies are about war. And marriage is about the Christian gospel. This mystery is profound says Paul, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So the wedding begins with the groom waiting at the front. He has pursued his bride and won her, and now he just has to wait. And when she eventually comes in, the whole room stands and stares at her beauty, her immaculate dress, pure and white and spotless. She gets presented to him, and they declare that they have no other partners. They hold hands. They make promises to have and to hold for better, for worse, forsaking all others as long as we both shall live. They exchange rings, signs of the covenant promises they have just made. They sign their names and make their vows legal. Then, as the ceremony concludes, they walk back out again, united as one. Everything he has is hers and everything she has is his. Everybody celebrates with a meal. Later, they will express their physical union and share all of their possessions. She even takes on his name. Two have become one. And all this is about that. Jesus has made his people ready. His death for our sins has made us beautiful, pure, white and spotless. We are given to him and to nobody else. We make promises to each other. Never will I leave you or abandon you, says Jesus, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. And we reply to him, I will forsake all other gods as long as we both shall live. There is an exchange of gifts. God gives us his spirit. There is a legal declaration. God says we are righteous in his sight. We walk on, united as one. Everything he has, his love, his power, his goodness, becomes ours. And everything we have, our sin, our shame, our past, becomes his. Everybody celebrates with a meal, bread and wine. We express our physical union through baptism in water. We give him access to all our possessions. We even take on his name and his identity. We become Christians. Two have become one. This is about that.
goosies. I mean, that, that video, right? I don't know if it's his accent or the music. Uh, that's powerful. I think just the message there. This is about that. Okay, your relationship with your spouse, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, is all about the gospel. And I think about what I love about that video is it talks about the wedding day. There's so many things in the wedding day that we don't realize the significance of what happens in a wedding day. The bride wears white that symbolizes the spotless uh, way that God sees us through Christ. Okay, all the symbols, the unity candle, uh, everything even we say are wedding vows. And so uh, the wedding vows, I'm gonna go through the ones that, that, um, that, that I love. Whenever I do a wedding, these are the ones that I use. And I don't put my name and Kristen's name in there, but I use that because it illustrates it so well. I, Scott, take you, Kristen, to be my wife, to live together in the covenant of marriage. Okay, this, this relationship is about that. Okay, meaning that a covenant relationship, we enter into a covenant based on trust with the other person. We sign a contract if we don't trust someone. And the worldly message says that marriage is a contract that you can get out of whenever you want. But the, the Christian view of marriage, the biblical view of marriage says it's a covenant. It's the way that God relates to us that he enters into this relationship in an unbreakable, unconditional way. We commit to unconditionally love each other. And so often the way that we love in marriage is that we make it conditional. If you do this, then I'll do that. But when we commit in vows, we say, I will unconditionally love you. I'm gonna comfort, honor, and cherish you for better or worse in sickness and in health. And it's so easy in the better and the health, but what happens in the poorer or the sickness or the worse? We commit to each other. It's the same way that God commits to us through Christ. God doesn't just love us when we're good. Okay, if that were the case, we'd have no shot, any of us. And so again, this is about that. I promise to love you just as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He died on the cross for the church. Okay, this is about that. I will be faithful to you in the way that God is faithful to us, not because we're faithful, but because he's faithful for as long as we both shall live. This is not just for three years or seven years or 25 years, but until uh, one of us dies or we both pass away. Okay, it's like Tim, Tim, I love what Tim shared in the beginning, a little morbid way to talk. And it does that Garth Brooks song. It says, I was thinking this morning, what if my wife died? For as long as we both shall live, we commit. And she says, I, Kristen, take you, Scott, to be my husband, to live together in the covenant of marriage. This is about that. I will unconditionally love you, encourage, honor, respect you for better or worse, the better and the health and sickness and worse. And I'm gonna be a constant source of love and encouragement that I so desperately need sometimes. And she says, I'm gonna be faithful to you for as long as we both shall live. And so I know for most of us in this room, those vows were probably really easy to make on the wedding day. Okay, you look good and people are there to, to celebrate with you. They come from out of town, friends and family to be with you and celebrate you. And as I told our leaders, like so many brides and grooms, they haven't had a carbohydrate in months. Okay, they're like doing all the diets and all the boot camps and they look good and it's really easy to commit to each other on that day. But Tim Keller, who wrote this great book, The Meaning of Marriage, says that the wedding vows that we take are not a decoration of present love. Rather, it's a promise of future love because it's really easy to love each other on the wedding day. But what do you do for the rest of your life? The wedding day is just one day. And so I want to encourage you to keep 
going. Susan told me the story a couple days ago about a couple that she ran into, and I don't remember the full story of, of who it was and what the story was, but this couple had just celebrated. They're celebrating 40 years of marriage. And so Susan says to the, you know, to the wife, 40 years, that's amazing, way to go. What's the key to 40 years of marriage? Can th- this is her response. We're not really happy to be married to each other. We're married because there's too much crap to deal with and to split up. Okay, please tell me there's something more. Right, please tell me the only reason that that we're not going to get divorced or separate or be miserable is because there's too much stuff to deal with. Okay, that's not going to last. That's not the existence I want. That's not what I signed up for or you signed up for. And so I want to encourage you to keep going. I'm going to give you very quickly, I think, five ways to help you build the dedication in your marriage. Okay, things that I think will help you uh, to not just not deal with all the crap in your home, but to be committed for the right reasons. And so how do you build dedication to one another? Okay, one is I would encourage you to make decisions that show that your marriage is a priority. Okay, life is way too busy. Okay, between kids and jobs and ministry and sports for kids and things for work, we do not have enough time. And so I want to encourage you, if you want to stay committed till death do us part, if you want to honor God in your marriage, then you've got to say no to some things to say yes to the most important things. I was thinking about Ephesians 5 and that our time is limited. The days are limited. And so you want to make decisions that are going to allow you to say yes to the Lord and yes to your spouse and yes to marriage, not yes to the things that the world offers. Second, I want to encourage you to stop thinking about other people. Okay, that that sounds really bad when I say it like that. I want you to stop thinking of yourself being married to somebody else or being in an unfaithful relationship with somebody who's not your spouse. They call that alternative monitoring, that I look around and I go, this is okay, but I think what's out there is better. And so you start looking around at the gym or at work or even at church and you think, man, life would be so much better if I was married to that other person. What if I was no longer married to this ball and chain and I was married to somebody else? And I want to encourage you to be reminded of Genesis 2, 24 and 25. A man leaves his father and mother is united to his wife. They become one flesh, that you are one flesh with each other, that you would stop using the D word. Okay, you're giving yourself an out when you use the word divorce, when you threaten it, coming alongside of you, putting my arm around you, telling you that we love you and we're going to encourage you to stop threatening each other with the D word. Quit looking over the fence and thinking that uh, somebody else's grass is greener than your own. I love the way that I've heard it said before is quit looking at someone else's green grass and start watering your own. Okay, be content with where you are. Fight for your marriage. Michael Hyatt, who's a, an author, blogger, speaker, he talks about getting adultery repellent. An adultery repellent is when you speak so highly about your spouse in front of them and behind their back that everyone knows it's very clear that you are committed. And so I I want you to know I love being married to Kristen Kadersha. She is the most Christ-like, kind person I have ever met in my life. She is as beautiful today as she was on our wedding day 18 plus years ago. She's more beautiful. Okay, she deals with me 
in a way like nobody else in the world would do. I'm a good husband to her, but she is an amazing, amazing wife. And I try to as much as I can. I want to remind people, no one's hitting on me. It's not that kind of repellent, but I want people to know that Kristen Kedersha is taken and you can't have her and I will cut you if you try to. And so she is mine and we're very happily married to one another. Three is this idea of a couple identity. Okay, the story of us that we is greater than me. And we live in a me first world that always talks about me, me, me. Here's what I want. And you got to start thinking, what does it look like for us to put we ahead of me? that you came together to, to form a team. Okay, think of Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, that a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Husband, wife, and God just driving us and keeping us together. I wanna remind you as we see in Galatians 6, 9 and 10, to not grow weary. Okay, I know so many of you in this room are weary and I get it, I know. I work with married couples all day long for my, for my job. Okay, even weekends and evenings, there's, I, I know, I know you're weary. Can okay, I want to encourage you to keep going because this relationship is about that. It's so much bigger than we think it is. And, and I want to encourage you to keep going. I think of the way that, that Christ loved us, that he endured. He kept going even when he knew what was ahead. And we're to love each other in that same way. So do not grow weary. And, and sometimes we think, well, nobody sees what I'm doing. And for what it's worth, God sees everything you're doing. And at the right time, Galatians says, uh, it will all be sorted out, that he knows everything you're doing, whether you think no one sees you or not. And then last, if you're hopeless, I want to encourage you to change your mindset. There's no such thing as a healthy victim. If you always blame and you think you're hopeless, I want to encourage you to renew your mind. Romans 12, 2. I want to encourage you, Revelation 2, 4, and 5. This is not a marriage verse, but I love the idea of that we would do the things that we did at the beginning. And so let's go full circle to the wedding day. Somehow, guys, you convinced her to marry her, marry you. Okay, I don't know what you did to woo her, to convince her, okay, but you were probably selfless. You were probably romantic. You were probably creative. You probably thought, you know, what can I do to get to know her? You asked great questions. You put her needs before your own. And ladies, you did the same thing. You did all the things you could to win him over. And I want to encourage you to to do not grow weary and to do the things that you did in the beginning. And guys, the, the world is watching. We have an amazing opportunity. When I think about like what the world is doing to marriage, it's a mess. Right, it's, uh, I'm gonna stay married until I find something better. It's a starter marriage. I move from one to the next. I'm just gonna move into it with my significant other and not get married. I'm never gonna get married because I've never heard anyone say how great marriage is. Okay, marriage, we're gonna define it however we want. Man, man, woman, woman. Okay, whatever we think it is. And the world is messing this thing up. And I think the reason largely why the world messes it up is because we are messing it up in the church. And I want to lovingly encourage you, put my arm around you and tell you to keep going because this relationship is about that. Let me pray. God, thank you for the way that you so beautifully and perfectly designed marriage that I may not have made it this way, I want to have made it this way, that nobody in the room would have designed it in the way that you so perfectly designed it. Thank you that you give us marriage as a picture of your love for us of this unconditional, sacrificial, selfless love. 
God, I pray for friends in this room who are weary and tired. I pray that you would encourage them through your word, your spirit, and your people to keep going. I pray those who are doing well would be spurred on to keep going. I pray that those who don't know you would come to know about this amazing love, that if our marriage is going to be transformed, that we've got to be reconciled first with you. And so God, I pray that you would do what only you can do, not what re-engage can do, not what a curriculum can do, not what leaders can do, but God, do what only you can do in your lives. We need you desperately and help remind us, God, that this relationship with our spouse is a picture of your love for us. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. I'm up, see you.